Good morning, brothers and sisters. We extend a warm welcome to all our brothers and sisters who have joined us in church for worship this morning. And we also extend a special welcome to all the visitors who have joined us this morning here in church and also to those who are with us remotely via the live stream. May we all be comforted and encouraged by the preaching of the gospel and by the celebration of the Lord's Supper. May God be praised and glorified by our worship. Consistory has the following announcements. Sister Brittany Tenhaf and Brother Kobus Diaka from the Free Reformed Church of Mount Nazura have indicated their intentions to enter into the marriage state according to the ordinance of God. They desire to begin this holy state in the name of the Lord and complete it to his glory. If no lawful objections are brought forward, the ceremony will take place, the Lord willing, on Friday the 3rd of March at 1pm in the Free Reformed Church of Mount Nazura with Reverend Poppy officiating. And Brother Jed DeVos has requested an attestation to the Free Reformed Church of Kelmscott. We wish him the Lord's blessing in his new congregation. The thank offerings during next, week's, uh, next Sunday's services will be a thanksgiving collection for the Evangelical Reformed Seminary of Ukraine. And this morning, the worship service will be led by Reverend Poppy. Before we commence the worship service, let us sing together hymn 38, verses 1 and 2. sisters, please rise and let's worship God. We begin our worship this morning with a confession that our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Amen. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, 
and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Amen. Let's sing a song of praise to God. We're going to sing from Psalm 33, verse 1. John 1 verse 7 or verse 8 there it says if we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness in order that we may indeed confess our sins to God and and seek his his grace and forgiveness let's listen to the law of the Lord The law comes to us this morning in the words of Deuteronomy 5. God said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a curved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and who keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who's within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. 
Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long, that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, and you shall not commit adultery, and you shall not steal, and you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, and you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, and you shall not desire your neighbor's house, his field, his male servant or his female servant, his ox or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Well, hearing this, brothers and sisters, let's make a confession that we have sinned against the Lord, and then let's trust that for the sake of our Lord Jesus, that he's willing to forgive us all these sins. So let's sing together to make that confession from Psalm 65, verse 2. Let's pray to God. Almighty God and Father in heaven, we come before you this morning, Lord, and we confess that we need your grace. We need your grace because we are sinners, because we have said things and have done things that are displeasing to you. You're the Almighty God, you're a holy God, you're a righteous God. Your God who's filled with love and compassion. Your God who always does what's just, what's true, what's righteous. And yet, Lord, we, we often sin against you. Many times we don't trust you. We seek to do things in our own strength. Sometimes we don't put you at the center of our life. We marginalize you. And we seek to do what we want. We pursue our own comfort, our own pleasure, our own interests, our own desires. And sadly, Lord, many times those desires are things that are opposed to you and to your will. Father, we confess that our nature is evil, that too often that reaches expression in our lives. Not only have we sinned against you, but we've also sinned against each other. Angry words, selfishness, harsh thoughts. Sometimes we're greedy, or we're covetous, or we're lustful. We, we're deceptive. Lord, we, we're sorry to you. We're sorry to the people we've sinned against for the sins that we've committed. And Father, we need your grace. We need you to, to be merciful to us for Jesus' sake. 
And so we plead with you that you would indeed do so. Father, we also need your grace for the struggles that we have in relationships with others. Sometimes we have beautiful relationships, but there's other times where there's a lot of distress and where, where there's trouble and things are not well. And we ask for your grace that you help us, that we may be restored in relationship. We also need your grace, Father, because there's times when we're weary and when we're burdened by life. Sometimes there's so many things that weigh down on us and they press down on us and we can't see our way through it. And so we pray that you would show us grace and that you help us through. Father, we also need your grace for the sadness and the grief that we experience. Sometimes we grieve the loss of loved ones. We grieve loss of relationship. We grieve a loss of innocence. We grieve when we see evil happening in, a, in around, around us and in the lives of those people who are dear to us and in our own lives. Father, please show us grace. Carry us through the emotional turmoil that we at times experience. Father, we also need your grace for disappointments in life. Sometimes we hope that things would turn out a certain way, and they don't. And that's very difficult for us to handle. We have to accept that out of your hand. And so we pray that you grant us the grace to be able to accept that. We also pray that you give us the grace to deal with the lingering impacts of trouble in our lives in the past. We pray, Father, that you also give us the grace to live in a world that's opposed to you. Sometimes that impinges in our lives in really powerful ways and that sucks the life and the energy and the joy out of us. And so, Lord, there's so many areas and there's so many ways in which we need you to show us grace. We ask that for Jesus' sake, that you would do so, that you rescue us, that you redeem us, that you show your kindness to us, and that you express your love to us. Thank you for doing so in your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that Christ gives rest to those who are weary, that he restores us, that he has come to extend forgiveness to us and to restore us in a relationship with you. Thank you that we may experience that. And thank you also that this morning you wish to assure us of this. Thank you for the proclamation of the gospel. And thank you also for the celebration of the Lord's Supper. And we pray, Father, that you would use these means to assure us of your grace towards us. You are a God who embraces his people in love. You're a God who gives us a dwelling place together with you. Thank you for your grace in Christ. Please accept our worship and please bless our time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brothers and sisters, this morning I have the privilege of bringing God's word to you as we find that in Galatians 5.22. This year we're going to look at, during the uh, Word Bible study, we're going to look at the four, fruit, four first fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, and patience. And I thought there's nine of them, so I thought maybe when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, during the course of this year, I'd look at the other five. So the fifth one is the fruit of kindness. And so in connection with that, I invite you to open your Bible. Where we're going to read together from Titus 3, the verses 1 through 11. Titus chapter 3, starting at verse 1. You can find that on page 1185 of your guest Bible.
Titus 3 celebrates the grace of God and the kindness of God that he's shown us in Christ. There God's word says, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, who be poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful. He is self-condemned. So far the reading of God's word. Let's now sing together. We're going to sing once again from Psalm 33, this time verse 6. The text for this morning is taken from Galatians 5, verse 22. We're just going to look at the, the one thing there. Earlier in Galatians 5, the Lord teaches us that if we are led by the Spirit, then we are not under the law, and that we don't follow the works of the flesh. And they list a number of the works of the flesh that we 
that we don't engage in. And then he goes on and he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. This morning we're going to look at kindness. Dear brothers and sisters, congregation loved by the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord is a God of kindness. When his spirit lives in you, then you also become a person who's kind. If I could just ask you to think about that for a minute, what does it mean to be kind? We know some people who are really kind, but what is it that makes them kind? Well, kindness, it has to do in the first place about being thoughtful about others. It means that you're able to put yourself in the shoes of another person. And you're able to see the world from their perspective and think about what life is like for them. And then when they're in that place, then you think about what you can do to help or to bless them in that space. It can be a, a kind word. An encouraging word. But kindness, often, it has to do with actions. It means you, you often make a sacrifice of yourself for the well-being of the other person when you consider the needs that they have. And so it's very interesting. There's actually one place in the Bible where, where it talks about this word that's used in our text, and it talks about usefulness. If you're kind, then you consider the needs of others, and you... You seek what you can do to, to bless others. And in that sense, there's a real, you're useful. You do something very benevolent, very kind, very useful for the other person. Well, God has a great deal of kindness towards us. God is able to empathize with us. He knows what life is really like for us. Last week, we had a, an opportunity to look at some of the words that describe God's love for us. And one of the Old Testament words that we looked at was the word chesed, God's steadfast love. Well, another way of translating that word is God's loving kindness. It refers to his faithful covenant love to his people. He makes promises, and he does whatever it takes to fulfill those promises. And in order to fulfill those promises to us, it often requires a real sacrifice of himself. He thinks about our situation, he thinks about what we need, he thinks about where we're at, and he does what it takes to help and to bless us in our situation. Well, that's a great kindness that the Lord offers us. In Psalm 145, verse 17, it celebrates this aspect of God's character. The Lord is a God who gives us food in season, and he satisfies with every, us with every good thing. And then the psalmist continues, the Lord is righteous in all his ways, he is kind in all his works. He knows that you need food and drink. And so as an act of kindness, he sends the rain, he sends the sun, and he gives that food and drink. And actually gives it to every person in this world. God is very kind to every human being, every animal that lives. When Paul was at Lystra, and he taught the people about this unique nature of God in contrast with the gods that they worshipped. 
If you were an ancient Roman, then you used to worship your gods, but it was often a fearful experience. The gods were, were petty and they were vengeful. And so you often tried to have to manipulate your god to get what you wanted. And it's in contrast with that world that the, the Apostle Paul, he tells the people about the character of, of the God of heaven. He says in Acts 14, verse 16, he says, In past generations he allowed all nations to walk in their own ways, yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good. Literally, he was kind by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Paul says, the reason you have everything you need, the reason you have such a good life, is because of the kindness of God. God, he's, he shines his face down on you, and he blesses you with everything that you need. Well, this kindness of the Lord, it reaches expression in so many ways, in every aspect of our lives. At times, we have to deal with, the, with sin, and with the effects of sin, with sickness, with pain, with anxiety, with fear. At times, there's so much sadness in our lives. Sin, it destroys our relationships with others. It sometimes leaves us feeling empty and jaded. But the Lord is very kind. And so he goes out of his way to help us in our circumstances. We just read together from Titus 3, verse 3, the Apostle Paul, he reminds us of the misery that we bring on ourselves. He says, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. That's who we were. But God doesn't leave us there. Verse 4 continues, But when the goodness and the loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. In great kindness, in mercy, he saves us from our sins. He saves us from ourselves, from our own sinful desires. Ultimately, Paul's saying here, he sent his son to show us his kindness. If you really want to know the character of God, if you want to know who he is, then the gift of his son shows his kindness in a greater way than anything else. And it says, God is kind to us. Now the Lord says, he says, if you believe in me, if you meditate on who I am, if you, if you turn over in your mind, and you think about my character and my dealings with you, then that's going to change you. That's going to make you into a different person. Then as I have shown kindness to you, you are going to be able to show kindness to the people around you. You're going to be very loving, very kind. You're going to give of yourself for the sake of others. You're going to make sacrifices to serve others in love. Brothers and sisters, there's a lot that happens. There's so much kindness in our lives. And it's such a testimony to the, to the grace of God towards us. Probably the, the kindest people are moms. Especially young mo- moms with young children. You get an opportunity to show so much kindness. You have to feed your little one again and again and again. You have to cuddle them. 
You have to look after them. You have to comfort them. You have to give them a sense of, pace, of safety. And a mom does it. She doesn't think about that. She doesn't worry about that. She just gives and gives and gives and gives. That is a huge inconvenience. Who would ever do that for another person? But moms do it for their kids because they're kind, because they have the Spirit of God. They're reflecting the nature of God. Well, it's a kindness that gets expressed in so many other ways. The Lord, he calls us to this. And he wants us to live it out in our relationships as husbands and wives. When the husband comes home from work, he doesn't switch off and he doesn't say, this is me time, I put in my hours and now I'm going to settle down. But he's kind and he considers his wife and he engages with his children and he's affectionate to his wife and he looks after his family and he does what's needed in order to make sure that things go well within the home. When there's kindness in marriage, then there's a sharing. The husband takes time to listen to his wife. He allows her to share what's on her heart and he's deeply interested in her well-being. And there's affection and there's intimacy. There's a real kindness that spouses show to each other. But there's a real kindness towards the children. There's a real kindness that you have for, for family members, for friends. You're understanding, you're considerate, you're generous. When you read through the Bible, we have a bunch of examples of people who are extremely kind. They give greatly of themselves in service to others. Two of the biggest examples in the Bible probably are the story of Ruth and the story of David and Jonathan. In the book of Ruth, the word kindness, it gets used over and over again. Naomi prays for kindness for her daughters-in-law. And then Ruth shows great kindness to her mother-in-law. She goes with her mother-in-law back to her country. And she says, where you go, I will go. Your God is going to be my God. I'm going to stay with you and I'm going to carry on with you for the rest of my life. And then she acts on that. She gets back to the land and she, she goes and she follows after the harvesters and she gathers the gleanings and she looks after her mother-in-law. And then Boaz is very kind to her because he tells the reapers, he says, make sure you leave a little bit extra for her. And then her mother-in-law, Naomi praises the kindness of Boaz and she encourages her daughter-in-law. She, she says, you know, you want to, to go to him and... It's not recommended, but you go to him and you, you lie at the end of his bed and you let his blanket cover you. What was it? It was a fantastic kindness. So the deal was she was asking him to marry her. Now, he was older than her. And yet, as an act of kindness, she goes and gets married to him. She's willing to do it and he's willing to get married to her. And the reason this is such a great kindness, it's a real kindness of Ruth for Naomi, because if she got married to Boaz, then the first child they would have would not be Boaz's son, would not be part of his family line, but the first child would be a part of Elimelech's line. It would be a descendant of Elimelech and Naomi. So it would go through Elimelech and Naomi to Ruth, and Ruth's family line, her son's family line, would be continued through the generations in Israel. And so the way things worked, Ruth was really offering a profound kindness to her mother-in-law by being willing to carry on her family line. And Boaz was offering a profound kindness to Naomi as well by taking Ruth, by taking over her property, buying her property, getting married to her, and also passing on this family line. Great kindness. 
It's beautiful, the consideration that they had for one another. And then on top of it, it gets crowned by the Lord's kindness. Because Boaz and Ruth become the great-grandparents for King David. They become the forebearers for our Lord Jesus Christ. And so God looks at that kindness, and he crowns it with his blessings. Well, here you have people who they show great kindness to each other. They, they're willing to make great sacrifices out of consideration for the lives of one another. You can think of David and Jonathan. They vowed to each other. They made this covenant where they would protect one another. Jonathan first protects David, and then much later than David protects Jonathan's grandson and looks after him. Once again, great kindness. If you want to see kindness most profoundly, then you consider the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. When our Savior came into this world, then his whole life was one of kindness. I'll just take just a couple examples from the beginning of the book of Mark. In Mark 1 verse 40, a leper comes to him and implores him to be made clean. And Jesus is moved to pity. He stretches out his hand. He heals the man. Or Mark 2, Jesus goes over to Levi's house. Levi was a tax collector. He calls Levi and includes him in his circle of intimate friends, one of the 12 disciples. And then when he goes to Levi's house, then Levi has connections with all the other tax collectors and with all the other sinners. And so his house is filled with all these people who are the social outcasts. And the Lord Jesus goes over there and he shares a meal with them. And he has intimate fellowship together with these people. He includes them. He shows great kindness in a culture that rejected them. Or in Mark 5, you have this huge crowd that's following Jesus. The Lord Jesus, he's on his way to, to heal Jairus' daughter. And then this woman who has this internal bleeding, she sneaks through the crowd and she goes and touches the Lord Jesus. And immediately, she's healed. For 18 years, she tried to find help from all sorts of doctors. No one was able to help her. But in that one instant... She's immediately healed. And then the Lord Jesus Christ, he stops the show. And he asks, who touched me? And they're all kind of like, his disciples are saying, what do you mean who touched you? Everybody's touching you. The Lord Jesus says, no. He says, somebody touched me. And this woman, she's terrified. She's found out. She's been bleeding, so she's ceremonially unclean. She forced her way through the crowds. She touched all these people, and then she actually touched the Lord Jesus Christ. And so fear grips her heart. And she falls before him. And she confesses what she did. And then he's very kind. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Profound kindness. He's a God who loves his people and who shows uncommon kindness in his dealings with us. The greatest kindness is that he has taken our curse upon himself. I'm going to read in a minute. He did it to grant us his blessing. He doesn't want you to suffer. He doesn't want you to endure the wrath of God. He wants you to spare, to spare you from the suffering that you deserve. And so his act of profound kindness he takes it upon himself. Well, do you often think about that kindness, brothers and sisters? Do you reflect on that? 
Do you appreciate it? Do you thank God for it? And do you also seek to emulate that? It is as you understand the kindness of the Lord and his dealings with you that you will become a kind person. It doesn't happen overnight. It's not an automatic thing. It's not something you can force. It is a fruit of the Spirit. When the Spirit lives in you, when you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, when you appreciate the gifts of his grace towards you, then his Spirit lives in you, and then he changes you. And it's as you reflect on the great kindness of God that you become kind in your dealings with others. It's pretty humbling because often, and especially with the people who are closest to, we can be quite unkind. We can be selfish. We can be proud. We can be greedy. We can be striving. And that can put us in so much conflict with so many people around us. And that can make us profoundly unkind in our dealings. It's really humbling to think about that, brothers and sisters. We need to confess that to the Lord. We need to ask for his grace and forgiveness. We need to spend time at the foot of the cross. We need to spend time with our Savior to understand the extent of his kindness to us. And that as he has shown kindness to us, let's reflect that in our dealings with others. And there's so many, there's so many ways. You can reach expression in your life in, in all sorts of different areas. You have a young man who starts working for you as a tradie. Well, oftentimes the construction industry is not known for good communication or kindness to newcomers. Some do. Some are very kind. But how many young tradies don't have stories about first starting on the job and experiencing a real lack of kindness? Well, be the exception. Show the kindness. You join a new school or a new church and it's really disconcerting. You don't know anybody. You don't know how it goes. You don't know nothing. And then someone includes you. and someone They walk alongside a life with you. They explain it to you and they carry you along. They're very kind. They go out of their way to make sure it goes good for you. You're someone who's socially ostracized. You have a checkered past. You're different than most people. But someone loves you. And they care about you. And they say you're one of us. And they take you along. You're someone who's got no family around. But at Christmas time, somebody invites you. Or someone goes on holidays and they take you along. They say, listen, we're going with our family. We'd love if you'd be willing to come along with us. Or maybe you're careless. You wreck something. You know you deserve to get in trouble. But then your boss or your dad, he's very kind in his dealings with you. He sees what it is and he knows what you did and he realizes your carelessness. And he's very kind in how he handles the situation. But will you join in showing that kindness, brothers and sisters? You create a culture in your family, in your work, in your community, in your church, where there is a lot of kindness that you go out of your way to be a blessing to others, that you comfort those who are anxious, that you understand those who are confused, that you listen well to those who have to share the burdens of their hearts, that you give someone your seat on the train, that you let someone use your bike or your car or your jumper cables or your chainsaw, 
that you help someone who's doing some gardening or you let your brother have the bigger piece of steak? So many opportunities on a daily basis to show kindness. The one who has the most experience, he taught us that it is better to give than to receive. May his spirit live in us. And we may, be, may we be examples of his kindness. Amen. Let's sing together, brothers and sisters. We're going to sing from hymn 62, the verses 1, 2, and 3. We now have opportunity to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Before we do so, let's first read together the, the form for the celebration of the Lord's Supper. If you want to follow along, you can find that on page 603 of your book of praise. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Supper has been instituted by our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to the words of this institution as described by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 11, the verses 23 to 29. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment upon himself. In order that we may now celebrate this holy supper of our Lord to our comfort, we must first rightly examine ourselves. Further, we must use it as Christ intended it, namely to his remembrance. True self-examination consists of the following three parts. First, let everyone consider his sins and accursedness so that he, detesting himself, may humble himself before God. For the wrath of God against sin is so great that he could not leave it unpunished, but has punished it in his beloved son Jesus Christ by the bitter and shameful death on the cross. Second, let everyone search his heart whether he also believes the sure promise of God that all his sins are forgiven him only for the sake of the suffering and death of Jesus Christ, and that the perfect righteousness of Christ is freely given him as his own, as if he himself had fulfilled all righteousness. Third, let everyone examine his conscience, whether it is his sincere desire to show true thankfulness to God with his entire life, and laying aside all enmity, hatred, and envy to live with his neighbor in true love and unity. God will certainly receive in grace all who are thus minded and count them worthy to partake of the supper of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who do not feel this testimony in their hearts eat and drink judgment upon themselves. Therefore, according to the command of Christ and of the Apostle Paul, we admonish all those who know themselves to be guilty of the following offensive sins to abstain from the table of the Lord. And we declare to them that they have no part in the kingdom of Christ. All who refuse to trust in the Lord alone, or who serve him in their own manner. All who abuse the name of the Lord by cursing or in any other way. All who do not diligently attend the worship services and who despise the proclamation of God's word and the sanctity of the sacraments. All who are disobedient to their parents or to others in authority over them. All who violate human life or cherish hatred against their neighbor and refuse to be reconciled to him. All who either within or outside of holy wedlock do not keep their bodies pure. All who by stealing, greed, or extravagance lead a worldly life. All liars, backbiters, and slanderers. Briefly, all who either in word or conduct show themselves to be unbelieving by leading an offensive life. While they persist in their sins, they shall not take of this food which Christ has ordained only for his believers. Otherwise, their judgment and condemnation would be the heavier. But all this, beloved brothers and sisters, is not meant to discourage broken and contrite hearts, as if only those who are without sin may come to the table of the Lord. For we do not come to the supper to declare that we are perfect and righteous in ourselves. On the contrary, we seek our life outside of ourselves in Christ Jesus. And in doing so, we acknowledge that we are dead in ourselves. We also are aware of our many sins and shortcomings. We do not have perfect faith. We do not serve God with such zeal as he requires. 
Daily, we have to contend with the weakness of our faith and with the evil desires of our flesh. Yet by the grace of the Holy Spirit, we are heartily sorry for these shortcomings and desire to fight against our unbelief and to live according to all the commandments of God. Therefore, we may be fully assured that no sin or weakness which still remains in us against our will can prevent us from being received by God in grace and from being made worthy partakers of this heavenly food and drink. Let's now consider for what purpose the Lord has instituted his supper, namely that we should use it in remembrance of him. We are to remember him in the following manner. First of all, let's fully trust that the Lord Jesus Christ was sent by the Father into this world according to the promises made from the beginning to the fathers in the Old Testament, and that he assumed our flesh and blood. From the beginning of his incarnation to the end of his life on earth, he bore for us the wrath of God, under which we should have perished eternally. By his perfect obedience, he has for us fulfilled all the righteousness of God's law. We remember in particular that the weight of the wrath of God caused by our sins pressed out of him sweat like drops of blood falling on the ground in the Garden of Gethsemane. There he was bound that he might free us from our sins. He suffered countless insults that we might never be put to shame. Though innocent, he was condemned to death that we might be acquitted at the judgment seat of God. He even let his blessed body be nailed to the cross that he might cancel the bond which stood against us because of our sins. By all this, he has taken our curse upon himself that he might fill us with his blessing. On the cross, he humbled himself in body and soul to the very deepest shame and anguish of hell. Then he called out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That we might be accepted by God and nevermore be forsaken by him. Finally, by his death and the shedding of his blood, he confirmed the new and eternal testament, the covenant of grace, when he said, It is finished in order that we might firmly believe that we belong to this covenant of grace, the Lord Jesus Christ, during his last Passover, instituted the Holy Supper. He gave the bread and the cup to his disciples in remembrance of him. He taught us to understand that as often as we eat this bread and drink from this cup, we are reminded and assured of his hearty love and faithfulness towards us. It is a sure pledge that he has given his body and shed his blood for us. Otherwise, we would have suffered eternal death. He nourishes and refreshes our hungry and thirsty souls with his crucified body and shed blood to everlasting life, as certainly as this bread is broken before our eyes and this cup is given to us and we eat and drink in remembrance of him. From this institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ, we learn that he directs our faith and trust to his perfect sacrifice once offered on the cross. It is the only ground for our salvation. Thereby he has become to our hungry and thirsty souls the true food and drink of life eternal. For by his death he has removed the cause of our eternal hunger and misery, which is sin, and obtained for us the life-giving spirit. By this spirit, who dwells in Christ as the head and in us as his members, we have true communion with him, and we share in all his riches in life eternal, in righteousness and glory. 
By the same spirit, we are also united in true brotherly love as members of one body. The Apostle Paul says, Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. As one bread is baked out of many grains, and one wine is pressed out of many grapes, so we all, incorporated in Christ by faith, are together one body. For the sake of Christ, who so exceedingly loved us first, we shall now love one another, and shall show this to one another, not just in words, but also in deeds. Finally, Christ has commanded us to celebrate the Holy Supper until he comes. We receive at his table a foretaste of the abundant joy which he has promised, and we look forward to the marriage feast of the Lamb, when he will drink the wine new with us in the kingdom of his Father. Let us rejoice and give him the glory, for the marriage feast of the Lamb is coming. May the almighty, heavenly God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ help us in this through his Holy Spirit. Amen. To receive all this, let's now humble ourselves before God in in prayer and call upon him in true faith. Merciful God and Father, we thank you that in this supper we cherish the blessed memory of the bitter death of your dear Son, Jesus Christ. Work in our hearts through the Holy Spirit that we may entrust ourselves more and more to your Son, Jesus Christ. Grant that our contrite hearts may be nourished with his true body and blood, yes, with him who is the only heavenly bread, that we may not live in our sins, but Christ in us and we in him. Let us so truly be partakers of the new and everlasting testament, the covenant of grace, that we do not doubt that you will forever be our gracious Father, nevermore imputing to us our sins, but providing us with all things for body and soul as your dear children and heirs. Grant us your grace, Father, that we may take up our cross joyfully, deny ourselves, and confess our Savior. Let us in all tribulation await our Lord Jesus Christ, who will come from heaven to change our mortal body to be like his glorious body and to take us to himself forever. Hear us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Brothers and sisters, we celebrate the Lord's Supper here. We profess that we believe that Jesus Christ is our Savior. Well, let's make a profession of this faith. I invite you to rise and we're going to sing together from hymn one.
brothers and sisters, in order that we may now be nourished with Christ, the true heavenly bread, we must not cling with our hearts to the outward symbols of bread and wine, but lift our hearts on high in heaven where Christ our advocate is at the right hand of his heavenly Father. Let's not doubt that we'll be nourished and refreshed in our souls with his body and blood through the working of the Holy Spirit as truly as we receive this holy bread and drink in remembrance of him. In preparation for the Lord's Supper, we're going to sing together from hymn 59, verse 1. Then after that, all confessing members of the congregation here in Southern River are invited to the table. And we also invite several members who have provided an attestation of their faith to the consistory. That's Brother Keith Vanderleer from the Free Reformed Church of Rockingham, and also Brother and Sister Vandasselar from the Knee Reformed Church of Neerlandia. Welcome you, and may you be blessed as you worship and as you celebrate with us. And if you're not yet a member of the congregation or announced visitor, we ask that you do not come forward to join with us in eating and drinking at the table. This is in no way intended as a judgment on your faith or your relationship with Christ, because we're not able to ascertain that. Instead, it's because God teaches us in 1 Corinthians 11 that the Lord's Supper is a communal celebration. It must be kept holy and promote the unity of faith within the congregation. And so for this reason, the attendance at the Lord's Supper is closely supervised. It's an effort to ensure that the guests are true believers, faithful in their adherence to the Reformed faith, and that they may lead a godly life. Now, even though you may not attend the Lord's Supper, we encourage you to remain with us in church by observing the celebration and by hearing the word preached. May you be encouraged and edified through the working of the Holy Spirit. Then let's now sing together in preparation from hymn 59, verse 1. Thank you. 
Brothers and sisters, the bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. Take, eat from it all of you, remember and believe that the body of our Lord Jesus Christ was broken for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. Please take some bread and eat. The cup of blessing for which we give thanks is the communion of the blood of Christ. Take, drink from it all of you, remember and believe that the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ was poured out for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. Please take some and drink, and the middle circle has some grape juice in it. This morning we heard about the kindness that the Lord shows to us. One of the examples of great kindness is the example of the relationship between David and Jonathan. I'd like to read with you from that. We're going to read together 1 Samuel 20, verses 12 to 17. So I invite you to open your Bible, page 287 of your guest Bible, 1 Samuel chapter 20, starting at verse 12. There God's word says, And Jonathan said to David, The Lord, the God of Israel, be witness. When I have sounded out my father about this time tomorrow or the third day, behold, if he is well disposed toward David, shall I not then send and disclose it to you? But should it please my father to do you harm, the Lord do so to Jonathan and more also, if I do not disclose it to you and send you away that you may go in safety. May the Lord be with you as he has been with my father. If I am still alive, show me the steadfast love of the Lord that I, might not, that I may not die. And do not cut off your steadfast love from my house forever, when the Lord cuts off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. And Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, May the Lord take vengeance on David's enemies. And Jonathan made David swear again by his love for him, for he loved him, as he loved his own soul. And you can read the rest of the story if you want to do that later today. 
It's in 2 Samuel chapter 9. You see all the kindness that David expresses to Jonathan's grandson, Mephibosheth. Let's now sing together. We're going to sing of the kindness of God and caring for us on 145 verse 1.
Brothers and sisters, once again, the bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. Take, eat from it, all of you. Remember and believe that the body of our Lord Jesus Christ was broken for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. Please take some and eat. The cup of blessing for which we give thanks is the communion of the blood of Christ. Take, drink from all of you, remember and believe that the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ was poured out for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. Please take and drink. The next passage that I'd like to read with you is taken from Psalm 33. I'm going to read Psalm 33, the verses 18 to 22. It speaks about the, the kindness or the steadfast love of the Lord in his dealings with his people. So Psalm 33, you can find on page 547 of your, your guest Bible. After calling us to shout for joy to the Lord and to fear the Lord, then at the end, we're told in verse 18, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and shield. Therefore, our heart is glad in him, because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. So far, let's sing together from Psalm 145, this time verse 2.
Brothers and sisters, the bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. Take, eat from it all of you, remember and believe that the body of our Lord Jesus Christ was broken for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. Please take some and eat. The cup of blessing for which we give thanks is the communion of the blood of Christ. Take, drink from it all of you, remember and believe that the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ was poured out for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. Please take some and drink. next passage I'd like to read with you is taken from Ephesians 5. I'm going to read together Ephesians 5, the verses 1 and 2. So Ephesians 5, verse 1, page 1162. The context here is that in the very last verse of chapter 4, it says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Let's sing together from Psalm 145 verse 3.
Everybody gets tucked in nice and tight here. It's our last table then, brothers and sisters. Once again, the, the bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. Take, eat from it, all of you. Remember and believe that the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, it was broken for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. Please take and eat. The cup of blessing for which you give thanks is the communion of the blood of Christ. Take, drink from it all of you, remember and believe that the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ was poured out for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. Please take and drink. Brothers and sisters, since this is the last table, we'll skip ahead to, uh, to table five. So I'll read with you from the doxology. If you want to follow along, you'll find that on page 607 of your book of praise. Beloved in the Lord, since the Lord has now nourished our souls at his table, let us together praise his holy name. Let everyone say in his heart, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him.
he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? But God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Therefore, my heart and my mouth shall proclaim the praise of the Lord from now on and forevermore. Amen. Let's now sing together. We're going to sing Psalm 145, and we'll sing verse 5. The last one, verse 5.
Let's now call upon the Lord in thanksgiving and prayer. In our prayer this morning, there are several matters we're going to bring before God. First place, we'll thank the Lord with our brother and sister, Jono and Lisa Vermeulen, that they could receive a healthy baby boy. They've called him Caleb Liam, and thankfully everything's well with, with mother and with son. We'll also thank God that our brother Jack Van Dongen could receive successful surgery this week to remove his prostate, and that went well as well. So we'll thank the Lord for that. Also grateful that our brother Jerry Hart could celebrate his 70th birthday. Also, we'll bring before God the, um, the outreach that goes at Seaforth Gardens this afternoon. So let's pray to the Lord. Almighty God and Father in heaven, we thank you that in your boundless mercy, you have given us your only begotten Son as our mediator. We thank and praise you that Christ is the sacrifice for our sins and our food and drink to life eternal. We thank you that you give us a true faith through which we may share in such great benefits. Through your Son, you've instituted the Holy Supper for the strengthening of our faith. We earnestly ask you, faithful God and Father, that by your Holy Spirit, this celebration may lead to our daily increase in true faith and in fellowship with Christ, your beloved Son. We pray, Lord, as we experience kindness, as you show us your, your steadfast love and your kindness in rescuing us from our sins, in blessing us with everything we need, in granting us every spiritual blessing in Christ, that we may also respond to that kindness by, by demonstrating this kindness in our dealings with others. Help us to be those who go out of our way to be a help and a blessing for the people around us. Help us to do it, Lord, in the first place with those we are closest to, with our husband or wife, with our parents or children, with our brothers and sisters, with our, our other family members, with our friends, with our, our co-workers, and with our brothers and sisters here in the communion of the saints. Grant that we have a, a genuine spirit of, of kindness where, where we love one another and we seek to benefit and to bless each other. And grant, Lord, that, that by living in this way that many may receive your grace and they experience your kindness in their lives. Thank you, Lord, that you wish to use us to extend your grace to others. And we pray that we may be useful instruments in your service, that we bring much glory to you, and that you are, are shown to be a great God. Father, thank you for the many ways in which we've already done so. And we pray that you continue this great work in our lives. Help our church to be a light in a dark world, that when people come to us, that they may experience your kindness and your grace in a rich way also through us. Dear Father in heaven, we honor you. We honor your Son. We honor the Holy Spirit for making this possible. We also thank you for all the blessings that you give to us. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of each other. Thank you that we may live in a communion where we care for one another. Thank you, Father, for the blessings that you've given some of the members of our communion, that our brother and sister, John and Lisa Vermeulen, could receive a, a healthy baby boy and that all things could be well. But we're so grateful that you watch over them, that you watched over Caleb, and, and that everything could turn out in a good way. We want to ask that you would be near to him, that he may grow up to know and to love you. Grant that he may experience much love and kindness in his life, and that as he has experienced your kindness, also through the people around him, that he may respond to that and demonstrate that to many others. Please bless his parents, that they may raise him in the fear of your name. Father, we also pray that you would extend your kindness, your your faithful covenant promises to him, 
and that we may witness that in due time. We also pray, Father, that you would please accept our thanks for the operation that our brother Jack Vendonga could receive. We're so grateful that all things went well. Thank you for the work of the doctors. Thank you for listening to our prayers. Thank you for, for your kindness towards them, that, that they could rest in the, the comfort of, of your love, and that they could be secure in your promises. Thank you for, for blessing it so far. We pray that you would continue to grant healing, that you protect our brother from any infection, and that you grant that, that the healing may go well. Please surround our brother and sister with your love and nearness. It's a difficult time for them this past year. They've had so many health concerns. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to reveal yourself as a kind God, and thank you for, for doing so. We want to ask you, Father, that you would also please take care of all the other members of our congregation who need you in special ways. We're grateful for Brother Jerry Hart that he could celebrate his 70th birthday. But thank you that despite the, the limitations our brother has because of his MS, that still he can be a part of our community, that we could share our lives together. Thank you for for the continual blessing that you grant him, and we pray that you surround him with your grace and care. Grant that he may grow and celebrate your kindness towards him. Lord, we ask that you would please also bless the, the outreach that's going on this afternoon. Please grant that, that the hope of the gospel may go out to, to the elderly members of the Seaforth Gardens. Grant, Lord, that they may also celebrate your love and kindness, that they may flee from sin, that they may realize that that there is a day when they will meet with you and that they may be ready for that day. Please grant, Lord, that, that also the, the message that, that goes out and the songs that are sung and the prayers that are offered may be encouraging to them in their relationship with you. Father, thank you for these opportunities. Pray that you would bless us on this day, that you give us good fellowship with one another. Please accept our thanks for all your good gifts and please hear us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brothers and sisters, you have the opportunity to serve the Lord, thank the Lord with your thank offerings. The collection this morning is for the mission work in Papua New Guinea. Then after the collection, we're going to sing together from hymn 48, verse 4.
Receive now the blessing of God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.